welcome to The Broken Arrow, a traditional bow hunting podcast brought to you by Addictive Archery with your hosts, Schaefer Magnet and Chris Siegel. Hey, buddy. Hey, Tom. What's going on? Not too much. Yeah? This is all cozy sitting at home waiting for your call. Nice, nice. Sitting in a chair, relaxing. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing, buddy. Excellent. And we got Schaefer with us. I was about to say, I was just going to randomly hop on here and scare him. Make <laughs> conversation. Hey, How's it going, Tom? <laughs> don't, good, buddy. don't mind the creep in the background. <laughs> yeah. How's the day going, all right? Yeah. Easy day at the shop. No sweat, man. Excellent. Is uh, when, When's your busy time, I guess, besides archery season? Are you guys busy all the time? So we'll start getting busy and really busy in June. It ramps up to a big time in July, and in August we're just completely swamped. Everybody that waits the last minute to get their arrows and bows. Lots, yeah. lots, yeah. Excellent. So you know September's our our main seasons here for the mountains, and so that's most of deer and elk hunting. And then we have eastern half of the state seasons. You know, uh, our plains deer basically. Yeah. Which is a much lesser season where at the same time you guys are hunting. Where are you guys at? I am in Pennsylvania in Schaefer. In Vermont. Oh, wow. So okay. we're East Coast, but we're a little, little far. We're about five and a half hours apart from each other. Yeah, it's oh. a good distance, okay. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not that bad, though. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, not bad. Do you hunt with each other in each other's states? We haven't yet. I think that's no. uh, that's coming up, though. We've oh, become right. very close friends very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't I don't know if you know our backstory, but I I do. Uh, well, I, we haven't done one in a while, but I was doing podcasts with the Primitive Pursuit. Are you? I think yeah. you're familiar with them. And Schaefer had his own yeah. thing called uh, Green Mountain Tradcast. And yeah, I remember name both, and probably listened to an episode or two on each. Yeah, don't remember. We we went out to uh, we've been friends for about a year and a half now I think right something yeah. like that yeah, probably and then we had this bonehead decision to make a three day trip to Kalamazoo in Michigan together and nice. uh, yeah and then this came out of it <laughs> here so, we are <laughs> yeah it's been fun so far we're having a great time and uh, talking to a lot of cool people and like I told you the other day on the phone you're you're one of the ones that was kind of top on our list we'd like to catch up with. Um, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I, I, I've only met you once in person. I don't know if you remember it. It was, I think it was Friday night at ETAR in 2018. When it was, was yeah, it? you mentioned that we were, they had a campfire there. You were saying, yeah, or? we were all up at a fire. There was a bunch of people up there and you and I were talking about elk hunting for a while and it was just a great conversation. Um, nice. yeah, hopefully we can catch up on some of that tonight. Um, okay. but yeah, I, but before that, prior to that, I was actually, I looked up the, the, the message cause I was looking through, uh, I think I messaged you on Instagram and it was in January of, of 2018, I was having shoulder issues and yeah, you know, I scanned up that and I saw that myself. I'm like, Oh, I'll talk to this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was having issues and you basically reply with that. This is way too much for a text. Call me. And I think you and I spent probably about two, we spent probably about close to an hour and a half on the phone and you talking me through drawing a bow. And it was, it was, it was a, 
it was one of those experiences I, I don't think I'll forget because of how generous you were with your time and how much your information right. helped me out. And and I think yeah. uh, I don't think there's anybody in traditional archery right now that can't say the same thing about you. You've helped quite a few people, be it through solid archery mechanics or just in person. Yeah, you know, yeah Schaefer's over here raising his yeah. hand in the camera. Um, oh yeah, I mean, j- <laughs> just yeah. just just for like that year at Etar, I remember the next day, Saturday. Every time I saw you, you were helping a different guy. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool to see. <laughs> There's like a line well, of people following you, help, looking for help, and it's it's. I think you've improved a lot of people's situation and probably kept a whole boatload of people in the sport. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty fun to. To, to be able to do that and I like people and I get along with bow hunters and it's kind of just the same guy I am you know I yep. didn't, oh, yeah. I I was always a guy looking for information on how to do this thing better and could never find it and you know and I so much appreciated the people that did give me some help and I don't know you I heard you guys talking on a podcast with another guy and talking about the track community and how helpful everybody is, but that's the nature of people that do this, I think, um, mm-hmm. more so oh, than yeah. any other kind of niche, you know what I mean? Um, but it, it's just a natural thing and it's, it's hugely satisfying. Uh, you know, without sending me a picture of a buck he killed or a doe he killed or whatever he, he got with his bow or it was his first thing and he thought of me or he won a tournament or whatever, those, those kind of things make my day or my week, you know? So it's pretty cool. That is Absolutely. awesome. Cool to share back. Yeah, it's great fun for me. I enjoy. I enjoy what I do. What, what turned you on to coaching? What like it was uh, accident? My accident. <laughs> like I said, I was one of those guys that. Well, I have a shop, right? Yeah, and I would yeah. share what I yeah. knew. And like eighteen years ago, our local club, they said that the property is owned by the city that they lease it from from the club our local 3D range. Okay. And they needed, the city told them, well, you got to host, you know, our Boy Scout group from the city of Golden or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they said, but you need certified instructors because they're insured and they know what they're doing, yada, yada. Yeah. And so they sent this email out looking for five people to take a 20-hour level two, one and two certified instructors course. So, like, phew. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know anything about coaching. I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, I've been searching forever and reading. This guy says do it this way. That guy says do it that way. Trying to sort it all out. And, like, volunteered. And me and four other guys got in a two-day, 20-hour course. And it was, I got a level two instructor's certificate, you know, from USA Archery. I didn't know there was such a thing. Right. You know, I I knew there were archery coaches, but I knew well, I kind of knew what I know now is they're all in the target world. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So, you know, there's stuff. Are you recording this stuff? We are. Yeah. Yeah. Is okay. No. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of part of what I would talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We know we're definitely. Re- <laughs> cool. But we, anywho, we, we don't really have a topic field. We like to stay with. It's just a good, I don't either. Time. Yeah. We just, <laughs> you, BS. Will, you will, you mentioned something. I'll chase that rabbit down any hole that you want to go. And then I'll maybe veer back. I don't yeah. We'll, we'll do this. Not. We'll do the same thing and follow you. So that'll work out. Perfect. I think <laughs> cool. you might have to reel me back sometimes, you know, so, can't be worse. Than but that. anyways, I go this. And so I have this certification. I don't know anything. I learned like a uh, better archery that weekend. You know, but, you know, I started sharing it with the guys coming to the shop and then I bought Kissy's Sleeve book, 
Kissigley's like total archery book, which yep. is super in depth. Yeah, it's great. And book. honestly, without this course, I looked at it before and it didn't mean anything to me. It was too complicated. But after this course, and I was able to really start studying it, and that's what started it all. And so then I've you know gone through the certification levels. It ended up in Chula Vista like four years ago at the Olympic Training Center for this level four certification. There was a guy that works in our shop. He's 80 now. He works Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. He's a level three coach. I've known him forever. Always looked up to him. He had been to that uh, level four elite coaches developmental program and level four certification. And and uh, he didn't pass, but he was always encouraging me to do it at a certain point. He, I got him to work with us, you know, so he's part of the crew now at Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. But he was like, man, you know so much more than some of these level fours. You need to go do it. And I, I was like, well, are you going to go back? Why don't we go together? You want to get your level four? He goes, I don't need that piece of paper. I got what I want, wanted, which was the knowledge. And all of a sudden, bing, you know, and like, I have to try this. If I don't get it, I'll just go back the next year, right? Because I didn't expect <laughs> to almost expect to pass because the pass rate was super low. When Jerry went two or three, he couldn't remember pass out of 15 people. Because it ends in a, if you pass this three and a half hour written exam, and it's mostly narrative, they show you pictures of archers and you have to write out what biomechanically is wrong, what biomechanically is correct, and then how you would coach the correct. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of oh, that kind okay, of test. Yeah. If you pass that long ass exam with 90% or above, you get to go to the Olympic coach and do a verbal test. And you've got to show them you can coach. You've got to talk about literally 150 nuanced things about an 11-step shot sequence. Is that is that Kissick Lee giving that part? Yeah, yeah. He he gave most of. This, I mean, it was 50 hours of classroom, and I was sitting in front of him for like 40 of it. Wow. They would pull other people in. They pulled in the compound coach, and they pulled in the USOC doc, and they, you know, different specialists. You know, yeah. some of the modules. But he taught virtually the whole course. Oh wow! And then, and then there's some some of their staff there at the Olympic Training Center that were our helpers. And then there, every five years, you have to go recertify, but you don't have to test. You just have to sit through the whole course, which I'll get to do next year. Okay. But and I'll get to do it with some really cool people because I've other people I've trained, and they've got their level threes now. Tyler Friel, if you know him, he's a yeah, full time yeah. rifle outdoor live track guy. Yep. yep. Tyler's become a good friend of mine, um, but he's got his level three and Dante and and um, Kelly. Some archers that I train are really up in the upper levels of barebow community now, and they just got their level three. And Alex that works for me got his level three, so I want to go back with those guys. You know, as a group, it'd be great. It'd be a really cool experience to sit through the class without the pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, so. What they teach you is a system called NTS, which yep. stands for a national training system. It's a system put forth by our Olympic coach, basically, or the best minds in archery for best practices in archery. And so, you know, it changes all the time, not all the time, but there's small changes all the time because if they find something better, if science provides better biomechanics or an angle change or whatever nuance they're looking at, they change it. So NTS morphs over time, which is awesome. And so you got to catch up on any new changes every five years. Okay. Um, so that'll be really an exciting thing. But anyway, that's 
throughout these years, this last 18 years, I've been teaching what I knew. And then I went to that level four course and my gosh, it changed. It took, I would say it took me a year to digest the amount of information I got there and then learn to communicate it. It was coolest experience of my life. And I'm an older guy, so I hadn't been in college for a long time, so it was really intense. You would, you're in classroom at 8 in the morning, you're out of class at 9 at night, and you get an hour for lunch and dinner, and you better eat breakfast before you go. <laughs> and then you go you go to the resident athletes' quarters where they had a stand, and you study till midnight or 1. It was just, they pile on so much information. It's really cool. So, you know, it takes a long time to digest all that, and and then incorporate maybe some of the things in your own shooting that you haven't done already, and then learn to teach it. So I'd say, you know, I always tell people, like, what you're learning is not my intelligence. Like, way smarter people than me figured all this out. I've learned it. I've learned to communicate it. And so, you know, this 18 years of learning all this stuff is what I'm sharing with people. And I coach us guys. I was that guy looking for how to be better at this. I'm just average Joe Blow bow hunter. And couldn't find, I didn't know about coaches, you know, so everybody with my certification level basically wants, you know, most of them want to create the next Olympian. Mm-hmm. Whereas I want to coach us because I'm that guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I am, I've just been in a really good spot to, to learn things at a really high level and get to share it and teach it. So I remember, uh, I don't know if you were on the push or something. It was right after you completed the, the the course the and you got four. yeah uh-huh. and I remember you pretty much were like balls to the wall helping people right out of the gate it was pretty cool to see from from afar at that point in my life and uh, yeah yeah it was it was it was pretty neat but yeah and and it's funny because I, I I I dabbled in in barebow a little bit and stuff like that and I shot with a lot of target archers and and uh, and there's I know one level four near me. Um, mm-hmm. and she just got it maybe two years, three years ago, right before COVID. Um, but I mean, they're all, like you said, they're all coaching target archers. None of those people hunt. They're all target archers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they don't know about, uh, how to aim without a sight, a mm-hmm. lot of them, or how to modify an anchor, you know, to yep. a high anchor. And then it gets into with alignment, a lot of times side of face anchor and bow cans and getting the arrow, I bullseye alignment squared away, you know, so I came from that world. So that was an easy transition to put the phenomenal things that create accuracy and prevent repetitive motion injury into our shot, you know, cause it's a very small switch. Yeah. It's a very small switch. And it's not this stand up thing that you think about, you know, that takes eight seconds to produce a shot. You know, it's a, it's a three to five second shot you know, from the bull pointing at 45 degrees from the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a hunter shot. And when I was in that course, I was, I, you know, I had that, you know, a lot of guys will have this question because I did, like, what's target archery have to do with us? <laughs> you know, it's the stand-up style, and we shoot under bushes and all kinds of stuff. And, and I've said this story a lot of times, told it in different places, but I asked that question once we got out to the practicals, and this little drill sergeant guy, I never didn't know him from Adam. I said, you know, I kind of asked that question. Hey, I got a traditional archery shop and we're mostly bow hunters and shooting her bushes. What does this have as a tie in to what we do? 
And he goes, you dummy, take it with you. <laughs> I, was like, I knew this guy for three hours. He called me a dummy, which is really weird. Roll with go, it. Well, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I kind of <laughs> rolled with it. You know, I want to learn. And he goes, take it with you. And so take the alignment, putting your, getting skeletal alignment, reduces muscular tension, produces consistent draw length. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, produce a great position. The shot comes right off a holding position. That's where accuracy is created. That's where it ends. Rubber meets the road right there. Like, take it that position with you. And I was like, oh, you know, like, just keep everything from top of your head to your belly button the same. Then I rolled that bow, you know, level to the ground in that position with that alignment and rolled it up, rolled it down. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm in with both feet because I could see all the advantages. And no, and with no disadvantages. So from right then, that moment, three hours in my first course, I knew that this was going to work for us. Did Did you have a beat like prior to doing this? Did you have any like injuries, shoulder pain, anything like that that went away afterwards? After, after um, I had like front in front shoulder injury because mm-hmm. I always shot with my dang shoulder in my ear. I didn't know anything. About, oh yeah, yeah, I was uh, there. That you know, I was I learned first of all in trad archery. To, that kind of the swing draw method, you know, and yep. burn a hole in the target and yep. all that crap. And and so that swing draw is driving your shoulder up to begin with. And most athletes, men who work hard, if anything's coming from a low position to a high position, they engage their upper traps, you know, the muscles between your neck and your shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's a lifting muscle. And so it's an enhanced lift. If you're even lifting a bow up, what happens? The shoulder goes up with it because you, your body's just connected to that with a lift, any lifting motion. Mm-hmm. It's probably any archery coach's main thing to correct with anybody is this natural inclination to gather all your muscles up and to to perform a task. That's why we lean back. If you're playing on something with one arm, you would enhance that with your core and lean. So how many new archers you see, you know, they pull the string and they lean back, their head's on their right shoulder, all their weight's on their back foot, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've had some continuing, you know, um, problems with that front shoulder because i shot that way for a couple decades right 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 you know, a lot of us did we didn't know any better you know and i was pretty fit so i had enough muscle not to hurt at the time but that shoulder is vulnerable today because of those years of doing it in that manner <laughs> yeah but you're, you're still able yeah. to pull it off yeah yeah i'm in a good yep. position now um so it, it, i i can shoot heavy i can draw a super heavy bow without risk of injury because like that angular draw stuff I taught you, mm-hmm. you know, you're using back muscles. You're not putting any pressure on that vulnerable joint from shoulder muscles. So, um, it, yeah, I'm for my age, I'm super clean as far as all that goes. It, it's funny. Um, I, I don't know if this has happened to you, but and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I, I lost my shot. I com- <laughs> I mean I've lost my shot so many times I know what you're saying I brother. I th- th- so like like uh, we I, had a very long summer yeah Schaefer and I have sure. talked about this a lot <laughs> and 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 my my one my one buddy Al uh, he he didn't see me like I really got it together probably in the spring mm-hmm. of 21 and in the winter of 20 right and I was I mean I was unstoppable I couldn't miss I was shooting exactly yep. the way I should be. And yep. I shot the first 3D tournament in, in May, and my mm-hmm. shot went to shit for the whole summer. <laughs> it was yep. trash. It was trash right mm-hmm. through Etar. My buddy Al was picking on me because I was losing my mind over it. But um, 
I ended up getting it back enough for hunting season to the point where I was, you know, I, I did fine for, for the most part. I only missed twice. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> missed but I, twice, ordered a target from the stand, got a deer, <laughs> and called it good for a year. Yeah, but I pulled it together. <laughs> I got a deer. It was a good season. Um, but, I mean, like recently, seriously, within the last two months, I'm back to where I was that spring of 21. So, like, pretty much, what, a year? Right. A year now. And What and, was the change? I, I could tell you what it was, but I want you to. Um, verbalize what was what what you change what how I, did you get it back you, this is this is and, and it's i like ser- to think it's because he met me and started to know me no you you know what it was it was the this is the funny thing and as soon as i changed this it all started like snowballing coming back to me my hook okay okay my just my hook and Seriously? maintaining your hook through your finish so so it was more it was more like, you know, like when I think you, you teach it, Kissick Lee says it in his book, you take your thumb and you push it back so that webbing's tight between your paint. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah, you're maintaining the high risk. Was not doing that. Flex risk. Was not doing yeah. that. So so if, figure my, my thumb was probably forward, right? I yeah. and, and with my thumb backwards. Or down somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So w- with my thumb backwards... That's where my anchor is. So with my thumb backwards, it comes back and hooks on the corner of my jaw, that webbing part. Right. And I couldn't get there, and I couldn't figure out why. And it seriously took me eight months to get my head out of my arse and figure it out. And as soon as I got okay, the so okay, go ahead. As soon as I got the hook right, it just snowballed. It came right back, and it's like it's really come back in the last two months. And it was funny because it was like I went from being able to. You know, do my draw, get into my anchor, get into my holding position, and sit there and concentrate and take my time with my shot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't even hold the bow back. And it wasn't target panic. It wasn't that. It was I couldn't get into my position. And right. So I just you was, want the second level, third level deep explanation of that? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. From a coach's viewpoint? So when you maintain your hook and maintain mm-hmm. the flex wrist. When you have that slightly outward bending wrist, that elbow angle, the angle of the, the ulna and the radius yep. travel back behind you, so to speak. Yes. So when you come into anchor and seal that anchor by that rotation to full scatter engagement or to the wall, mm-hmm. your elbows behind or inside the string. Correct. When you don't maintain that position or you draw the, arrow straight ahead but never come back to that position your elbows hanging outside the string and i'm probably collapsing but i wasn't and the, the yeah. funny thing was i so wasn't you cl- don't have a strong a strong you don't have skeletal alignment yeah you have more muscular tension and if you have more muscular tension you have more mental tension yeah so and, that's, and, a, that's I, a component of it can i tell you the next component yeah go for when it. you're maintaining that hook to a follow-through and your kind of your focus is to maintain that hook. You have to move the hook through the string. And after aim occurs, if there's another job to do, in other words, string tension to follow through, you have to move that hook through the string. You're not stuck with conscious control solely on the aim. When you're stuck on conscious control solely on the aim, you can't finish your shot properly because your conscious mind can only do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. But when you're maintaining a hook and you're moving it through the string to follow through, your conscious control is on that. Yeah. And when you're maintaining a hook 
with conscious control through the string, you, you're, you're producing a subconscious release. And so when it releases subconscious, your brain can't time it and link a brace to it either and have small movements that pull you off target. Yeah. So there's these cascading things that one little thing like that. Oh yeah, it went to hell on me. Giant difference and have your shot come together because that puzzle was damn good, but you pulled one piece of the puzzle out. That's it. And all of a sudden, it, it kind of nothing was working, and you just drop that last puzzle back in, and all of a sudden everything's working. Yeah. No, seriously. That and it was, it it was funny because it, it seriously it went to crap on me, and I fought it hard all last summer. Like I was losing my mind last summer because I went and it, it was yeah. funny because I wasn't shooting bad. Like my, I was shooting good groups. I was killing deer every time I shot a target. It was, it yeah. felt yeah. like trash. It didn't feel it just, like my normal. You shot. weren't in a strong position. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. Yeah. And, and that can cause a lot of target panic. Trust me. Yeah. I, I don't, it, and it was funny because as soon as like, as soon as I corrected my hook, and I hit my anchor. I was like, "Oh man, I could sit here all day." I was good. I was good to go. Yeah. There was no, there was yeah. no like letting the string go. There was no. It was just, I'm good. I'm back to normal. Holy crap! I finally made and it. Now, now don't forget you what you did, confident. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I had yeah. total confidence. And I'm telling you, Tom, all last summer I was a train wreck. I was a total <laughs> dumpster fire. I, I was. Oh, it was a mess. It was. <sighs> but, but the funny thing was, I, I wasn't shooting bad. I was hitting stuff. It yeah. was just, it didn't, it felt well, like cool. garbage. So your bad is not that bad, which is awesome. <sighs> yeah, but it, it, like the, I think the, the feeling. Frustration is, level. Yeah, the frustration, like the, like the feeling wasn't there. Yeah. You know how it is when well, you, yeah, and you, when you come back you to full draw. You weren't shooting your potential. Yeah, and, and, every, and everything you comes in the. You and you were off of it, and that's frustrating. Oh, it was a yeah, mess. It. Yeah, it yeah. sucked. But, I mean, and it's funny, like seriously, I think, I think Schaefer and I have been going back and forth, what, since we could shoot outside, so like two months now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, oh, I'm doing this again. This is making sense. And then, yeah, I mean, he's had to listen to all of it, you know. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. My kind of guys, you're kind of a geek about it. Oh, it. but yeah, we're 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 total. <laughs> we're we're. But yeah. you know that physical component you described affects mental management. Mm-hmm. It's a, mental oh, management sure. and form are hand in glove. When Jill Turner and I do a clinic together, you'll do mental management first, and then I do form. Of course, when I coach on my own, it's all hand in glove. I teach mental management and form. And some guys I start on mental management, some guys I start on form. It depends on the student. And about half the class say I should go first, and half the class say Joel should go first. It depends on the problems they're suffering from at the time. But um, they're they're all hand in glove. Um, it's funny you form, say that. Yeah. Because. For I mean, I just started to slow down shooting a lot. Like I, used, I like to call it controlled snap shooting. You know, it was basically <laughs> yes. anchor and go. But I like I never thing, had the yeah. problem where like, you know, if people say like if their mother was standing in front of them, the arrow mm-hmm. would still go. That was never me. But like generally me. speaking, oh, yeah? when I got anchor. Oh yeah, I can get the string in my face. Yeah, no, I never, I never had that issue. I always got to anchor, but once yeah. I got to anchor, gone. That sucker was gone, unless if it didn't need to mm-hmm. be, or like if it couldn't. Like if I was following an animal, I could mm-hmm. follow it just fine, or like if somebody was standing in front of me, I could hold that full draw. But if there wasn't a need, mm-hmm. it wasn't. And then, so you, okay, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say when you were talking about mental over physical and that type of stuff, 
that whole time, like you were saying, my bow shoulder was riding up. Of course, at the time, I thought it was shoulder issues, but it, what, what it was is that muscle that goes from your neck into your shoulder was helping mm-hmm. out so much, it would fatigue yeah. after like five, six shots. So I was I was just shooting through it because... Was your shoulder riding high? Was it like up like that? I, I would have to assume so. Yeah. I guess... I don't think it was bad, but I think my neck was more or less holding it down. Neck had all the tension. My back. Well, what holds it down is like the muscles around your lats. Yeah. That's the muscles that hold it down. The ones between your shoulder and your neck, the upper trapezius, mm-hmm. those are the ones that lift it up. Well, I was lifting so, the crap out of it then. You were lifting <laughs> the crap. And that's, com- that's super duper common. That's what I did for 20 years. Yeah. So. And so but, that's a very vulnerable place. It shortens your draw length. It's. Not a solid bomb, you know. There's lots of reasons not to do that, but most of us, without instruction, did that, and we just shot that way because that's what we did. Because we didn't know yeah. any better. But then last year, between uh, working with you and then I'm pretty good friends with Alex Meldnick too. Between nice. uh, taking your class through the push and then just talking with Alex a little bit and working mm-hmm. with him. This last spring, all of a sudden, I could hold my bow at full draw. I mean, at, like blank bailing and that type of stuff never really had an issue. I could work through it, no clicker or anything. And then I just had this low point, and then all of a sudden, ever since, it's just been like good. And the only yeah. thing, when you said, you know, once that physical side of things went away, all of a sudden, my mental side just yeah. cleared up to now I can hold that full draw as long as necessary. And sometimes it's almost too long these days, but it feels good. Nice. <laughs> nice. You yeah, can actually that... get a picture of me at full draw these days. Yeah. He's actually got a good shot. <laughs> it looks nice, but don't tell him I said <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, I still wait yeah, but... a little bit. I'll, I, get the, really I'll get to meet Alex this, uh, in a month. Um, geek out with him a little bit. Oh, he's uh, a... be on the, the push turkey hunt. He's a super nice oh, yeah. guy. He's a super nice yeah, guy. Yeah, I've got a really good impression of him. And from, you know, Tyler has gotten to know him well and says good things, and Matt and Tim. And yeah, so whatever really you do, to meeting him. do yeah. not bring up cheese. He is a cheese oh, yeah? enthusiast. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I'll be hearing a lot about cheese. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. He, for some re- this is going to sound really strange. For some weird reason, he asked me to, like, name a nice cheese. I don't remember what got us on this conversation. Oh, and I said funny. I liked Pepper Jack, and I was like the slum of the world when I said Pepper Jack. <laughs> you're a you're a total hillbilly then, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that's true, but it was it was the funniest thing ever. I, here I am thinking I'm listing a fancy tre- cheese, and I'm like, I mean, oh, well then go I'm gonna to I'm gonna tell him like cottage cheese or something. Yeah, <laughs> mozzarella. What's that foot cheese? What's that 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 footy smelling cheese that I? Tell him that. Oh one. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like Parmesan cheeses. Oh, Asiago, that's it. I think that's Asiago. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, it's good on bagels. Oh that's man. <laughs> but anywho, bows. <laughs> Schaefer, you had a good question for him. You brought up to me the other day. Do you remember it? The blank face I just made probably, probably means no. no. <laughs> the, the the Tom, you're you're an instinctive shooter. Right? Oh, now I remember. Yeah. Schaefer, you go ahead and ask that one because I want I want to hear I want to hear that one. That should be pretty good. All right. So, Tom, I don't know if you recall, but like Chris, I messaged you with a question, kind of relating to your. You're one of the few people I know that shoot the way you shoot and also shoot instinctive versus a gap method. Yeah. So I was going through the Joel Turner stuff at the time, and there's that point where he says, you know, uh, set your aim and then forget about it. 
And being an instinctive archer, that was, you know, like, well, how do you pick a spot and then stop looking at it? You know, I was trying to, like, figure out that part of of Joel's thing. But yeah, you wouldn't stop looking at it. Joel would teach you to keep looking at it. Yeah. But you're not placing conscious conscious control on trying to make your aim better. Uh, It's a more vague aim than a gap or any kind of aiming system using the arrow. So transitioning from an instinctive aim to a precise aiming method, like using a, cr- a fixed crawl or a gap or however you're using the arrow to aim, it's, it's some, it can be a hard transition because then all of a sudden there's this thing you have to use out in front of you, mm-hmm. which is basically a single, a big fat black single pin sight or wood grain looking single pin sight. And then you think you have to use it and then conscious control goes back to aiming and then conscious control can't finish your shot properly. And then you might try to catch the perfect game, which is the worst thing of all. So I, I understand your question. So an instinctive aim for people who don't do it. And so instinctive aim is a, is kind of a skill, you know, like I'm really good at it, but I didn't earn that ability. Like I didn't get born six three and good looking, but damn, I can instinctive aim. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? And those yeah. arrogant six three good looking guys, they didn't earn that either. They didn't have to have any game to get the. So why don't you instinctive shoot, Chris? <laughs> you know what? I, I I bet I bet by following this. And, and following Joel's teachings, I bet you instinctive guys have it easier. Cause where like, I'm a gap shooter, Tom, and, 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 and I'm pretty good at, man, I want to say I'm like subconsciously gapping. Basically, like I line the arrow up below my target. So my windage is key and I'm good to go. Sure. And, yeah. and I think the elevations immediately set in my brain. I mean, I, so it's a, a morph. It's kind yeah, of a split vision. And, yeah. yeah. I, I think, Man, I, yeah, yeah, gaps. Totally, yeah. yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But, and, and, and I More might have a feel. Yeah. I might be tempted a though. A little bit of a feel going in there. Right. Yeah. So, so myself or, or maybe a true gap shooter might be tempted to be, keep looking at arrow, look at a target, look at an arrow, look at a target where an instinctive guy is just going to burn that hole. And he's not trying to constantly adjust like another guy with okay. a sight pin or, or an arrow or something. Right, because like there's nothing to adjust to. Right, right. So that but, might be that, but, that might be easier we were for you guys. Burn a hole in the target, mm-hmm. which is the key root thing that created virtually all of us to have target panic. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that kind of makes it was sense. A killer bad thing to have. So basically, so you were just even looking at that I'm an instinctive aimer. When I learned that I have to separate the jobs, as Joel would put it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two jobs that aim, and then what people don't understand and, and really have a hard time trusting is that the subconscious will maintain that aim for three full seconds. Mm-hmm. Once you set your gap, or once I get a yip right there, baby, yes, you have three seconds to get that air off the bow, and that aim will be more stable by just looking at the spot and letting the subconscious steer the car than if you try to control the car with conscious movement. You know, and we're right. going to talk about that as an analogy. You remember when you were driving at first, you pull, pull, pulled off the curb and, oh, shit, this way means left and this way means right. Yep, and the yep. car's veering a little too far left. And, oh, got to turn right. And then it overcorrected a little bit. Oops, got to turn left. And that car's waving down the road. Yes. And we can all remember this moment. There was a moment when, 
holy shit, you're looking at the steering wheel and it's making all these micro adjustments. Because you're, you're looking down the middle of your lane, there's your aim, and the, the, you know, you're adjusting the aim with, well, like, how's this happening? Steering wheel's <laughs> like popping back and forth, right? This job, the subconscious learned its job. It aimed the car, it kept the aim of the car where you were looking. It's the same exact thing with aiming a bow with whatever method you have. Let's talk about gap because that's what I recommend to everybody. That's how I train everybody. And if we see an ability to instinctive aim, we can morph in and develop that skill. You have that, you know, you lucked out. Your brain just has to be able to see special relationships and trajectory paths subconsciously. Not everybody gets to have that skill. And the people who don't think that, that people like me that say, I can look at something at 17, 27, 37, I have no idea what the range is and just plunk them in there. I don't even get how my body does that. It's freaking weird. Hey, as long as it does it, that's all that matters. But that aiming method has to be refreshed very often. And it's not nearly as precise as using the arrow to aim with. So I have learned to gap. I mean, I've trained all these barrel archers and they're all of a sudden they're top five in the country. And I taught them this aiming method. And I was like, I want to go play with those guys now. And to play a target game, you know, instinctive aim, I can hold a four ring and a couple, one or three of those are going to hit in the middle. But I can't score with top competitors because I don't have a precise enough aiming method. So I've gone to three under and I've developed a great, my gap at 20 yards is six inches. My gap with a split finger, instinctive aim is three feet. The arrow has nothing to do with an aim. But I can still hold a four ring. Okay, instinctively it needs to be refreshed all the time at varying ranges. So, you know, like coming up here when I start hitting 3D range, I'm going to have a lot of high and low misses with my instinctive aim. But I, at 20 yards or 25 is my point on, or at 20 or at 10, I know right where to put the arrow. I'm gonna, I can shoot a freaking less than a baseball size group with that if I run the shot correctly. So, Huge. So it's everything that we talk about is always a give and take. If we're talking about high FOC and arrow weight or this or that, there's always a give and a take or bow design. There's always a give and a take. So the give is as an elk hunter, out west hunter, I'm shooting over between gullies, over humps. You know, I don't have flat ground where I have the ability to estimate range really well. So this ability to just look at a spot and see it like, yep, right there. And I know it, man. You know it. Just this, you, I know it as much as if you put the arrow on the bullseye point on. I know that's good. Execute shot. Separate the jobs. Execute the shot. It's going to flunk right in there. I love so, it. You know, don't. In my day, this. I don't know if you've heard older guys talk about this, but in my day, it was all G. Fred stuff. It was all instinctive shooting. And honest to God, we were so freaking crusty, and we were your guys' age. Like, if you didn't instinctive aim, you weren't, like, traditional. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of how Schaefer is now, so it's okay. Like, the best shot in four states, right? And he he didn't learn where, you know, he was, he had an old enough dad, and in his generation, you went to target archery to learn to shoot well. Mm -hmm. That's the way it used to be. And then there was generations that kind of learned up in a different system with instinctive shooting and all that. And... And so we were crusty about it in like, that's the true art form, right? Yeah. We all sucked, but it was the true <laughs> art form. <laughs> so <laughs> I looked good doing it. 
That's all that matters. Anyways, we'd always go to these three determinants because I did all three determinants, and I was shooting with hope like everybody else, you know, and I had good days and I had miserable days. But old Tracy, man, he was... He was always one of the two or three guys that was going to win. And there's this other guy, Jimmy Hammer. Jimmy Hammer was straight up teed, vertical bow, obviously a great gap shooter. If we went to a 3D course that was fairly level ground, man, it was probably going to be Jimmy that won that day. If we went, because he just can't beat the precision of that. If Tracy shot an eight, Jimmy'd shoot a 10. Tracy shot a 10, Jimmy'd shoot a 12 kind of thing. There's always several targets that separate them like that. Oh, wow. But if we went on to a mountain range, or we're shooting across gullies or over humps, and, well, that day, Jimmy's going to have some high and low misses. And Tracy would win those days. So here we go. Here again, it's a give and a take. And so if you're hunting whitetails out of a tree stand, it would be really, really effective aiming method to have a fixed crawl. And your shots are coming always at 15, have a fixed crawl right at 15. If it's 20 or you know, okay, hold a little higher. Or fix crawl at 20. You know what I mean? If it looks closer, hold lower. If it looks a little further, hold a little higher. That's super effective. But for an elk hunter and a guy that really sucks at estimating range and has the ability to instinctive aim, that's that's what I've stuck with. Because I can't. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's effective for me. If it wasn't, I would certainly use the arrow. I can, and that's I, the way I teach everybody to shoot at first. And if we want to morph it into an instinctive system later, we can't. It's easy yeah. for some guys. And for some guys, their arm just has no relation. You know, where they're pointing their arm has no relation to in their brain to where that arrow is going to hit. And so it's like, it's like um, it's just something that you were born with, the ability to do that, I think. Yeah. Can it be developed in most men? Yeah, over a long period of time, some shorter one of the best shooters I know, he's an engineer, so he's a geek, and he's got the probably the best technical form of all of us. He was a college baseball player. So Paul was a college baseball player, and usually baseball players have that hand-eye coordination make great instinctive aimers. Mm-hmm. But Paul cannot not link what he's looking at with where the arrow's going to hit whatsoever. He has to use the arrow to aim. And so... Um, he, he's technically sound. If he knows the range, you're not going to beat him. It's too accurate a system. So that, I, I recommend that for most people, at least to start with. If you want to more, and you see the ability and morph into an instinctive aim, awesome. But let's get on the target right away. Let's get this build accuracy right away. So that's my, I'll get off the soapbox about that now. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Sounds good. Yeah. When you're an instinctive aimer like me and you learn a gap, Oh my God, it feels like cheating. Because <laughs> I spent the last couple of months getting good at it. And yeah. It feels like cheating. And in tree stands or on the turkey blind or whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to probably gap. Did you change? Are you three under now? I can, well, I'm, that's what I've been doing for two months and oh. I've developed this precisely accurate system. But I can slip those, that other finger over the arrow. I do really well too. I've tried split so many times, and I even tried it recently, just just for the hell of it. And I just uh-huh. I cannot I don't like it. I I can't anchor like when I no. anchor, it's like my arrow is pointing straight up. I just hate it. And I was say you got you pitch the arrow upward so much that that arrow yeah. has to go so far below the target. It means nothing to to your aim. The arrow is out of the picture as far as yep. using your even your brain using it. 
because I'll get instinctive shooters, and I'll say, hey, try three under. And at first, of course, everything's low, but mm-hmm. within a very short period, I'm like, holy shit, I'm shooting better now. What, what was your... the arrow comes up into the sight picture, because it's pitched, it's pitched, you know, where the knock comes up. Yeah. It's pitched more in line with where your eyes are looking, so the en- arrow enters the sight picture, and, and if you're not consciously using it, your subconscious can use it. So your alignment gets better, everything gets better. Eye arrow, bullseye alignment, once you get that squared away, everything gets better. So ultimately, Schaefer, what, he's, most people. what he's saying is, I'm, I'm better than you. I, I don't think so. No, not at all. I look really good in my flannels when I shoot. Okay? I am crusty. Tom, we, bo- we both build arrows, and, and the shit-talking and ball-busting that goes on between the two of us and our quality of arrows is, is relentless, and it carries over, spills over in our shooting, too, I guess. I love it. But I, love I, it. I, I also just want to throw this out there. I'm 27, and Chris is 44, yeah. so... It's not as close as you would think. <laughs> it's all right. It, it works well. He's you more mature that, than that. You, you get that big brother, little brother thing going. Awesome. No, he's he's like my big brother because he's more mature than me. I might be I might be older, but he's more responsible. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I feel that way about myself at my advanced age. I'm like I have very adolescent humor at times, and absolutely. You know, I walk by the mirror and I'm like, "You guys are shitting me." I don't feel like that old guy I'm looking at. <laughs> Wow, you're sh- kidding me? Yeah. Oh well, it's, it's. I think that's what we can hope for our whole life, honestly. That's the plan. Yeah. It's inevitable. We're all going to get older, so screw it. Yeah. yeah. Might, might as well roll yeah. it and enjoy it. Try doing an hour and a half long podcast podcast on wood arrows without getting a little weird. Oh god. Just, the terminology just leads it to uh, poor humor occasionally. We, we've attempted to keep it professional, <laughs> oh, yeah. but it, it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you let, can't help it. We're guys. We exactly. Yeah. Look, Tom, let's shift gears, man. Let's talk about hunting. Where? Uh, how? How you? How you okay. been? I we. Know, I don't think I've ever heard you on a podcast where you actually talked about how your season went or anything. How, how you been doing so far? Like having good seasons. Any, I, any I good stories? Had good seasons lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I killed a really good bull about five six years ago. I've missed three and tickled the hair on their brisket since then. There was a couple of years I basically didn't hunt or hunted one week and that was it. Yeah. So, you Probably know, the downside of owning a shop. Yeah. And being a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And having my son who now pretty much runs the show. Um, I got to get him out. He's in his prime and he's just an absolute killer and I don't want to keep him out. So, and then the, the staff all hunts, you know, or all lifelong bow hunters. So, yeah. So you're picking up the show, slack. Well, I don't have a good tag. I'm like, okay, I'm hanging in. You guys get out of here. Yeah, you know? I get that. All right. But last year, I pretty much took the month off though, and I didn't. I didn't elk season. I didn't pull my string back. Really? Un- I, it was amazing, stupid, crazy bad luck year. The wind was flowing around like crazy. I was hunting with a good buddy for a week, and I think we are just on elk six different times, and the wind starts kicking around, mm-hmm. and we back right out. And we get good wind, could consistent wind, and then we couldn't find them. It's just one of those years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you hunting locally, or are you driving a little bit? Pretty local. Yeah. Yeah, for elk, you know. Um, yeah, I hunted a new place in Nebraska. We've got some nice muleys, and... My son and my nephew were after this like 200 inch buck, and they offered me into the rotation because they would just trade stocks. And yeah. Situation like, no, you guys, you guys are a couple of freaking wolves. You just do this. <laughs> I'm gonna hunt off. I'll hunt to the creek bottom. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't want to, you know, those guys are great, and I wanted them to kill that buck, but they walked on a neighbor's property, and Nebraska had a special freaking landowner's tag they put out, and the guy shot it with a rifle. Nah, oh, yeah. But it's just canyon land. It's Nebraska canyon land, so it's a really cool spot in stock area. That's cool. But I'll do that again this year, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Well, I don't know. I've only been getting a couple, two, three animals a year lately, which is just terrible. No, that's not bad. That, you're beating out Schaefer. Vermont doesn't have many many targets up there. Wow, I, I was going to make the joke for myself. Yeah, no, I'll help I you out. Appreciate that. <laughs> he, he's kind of he's kind of getting the short end of the stick because he's stuck in Vermont. And what would you tell us there? There's a hundred thousand deer in Vermont. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, sounds about right. It's like a hundred thousand. We were talking there tonight. We had a, we were doing a podcast with somebody, and deer numbers came up in the states, and and I think in in Pennsylvania it's like was like 50, something million, fifteen million point, or ten million, one point five, I think. Was it one? Oh, geez, I'm way off. Thousand in Vermont? Yeah. Seriously, is it so super low population? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we only have six hundred thousand oh, wow. people, so I mean, I guess. You Isn't know, there some to beautiful one. country up there? Big woods and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's super cool. I, I have a uh, saying that goes along with that that I'm not sure I should say on a podcast because I'm. <laughs> uh-huh. po- uh, Vermont's very pretty, but it's. Uh, that's about the only thing it has, and it makes you question whether it's worth it here. <laughs> For a hunter, maybe, yeah. 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 I'm going to try and get another Pennsylvania. He, he's. he's uh, w- w- when's that baby due? July and in July, uh, mid August. August. He's got a he's August. got a daughter coming. Ooh. So oh, yeah. well, good for you, dude. Good yeah, for you. It, it was not the worst planning, but like it'd be really bad planning for an elk hunter. Right, right. So, so you know, this not was the, the worst thing. planning for a deer hunter, but well, kind of almost in the bad category. I, I handled that I, one. I, <laughs> my son was I, I born don't... first week of November, so I kind of. <laughs> Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm just hoping for his birthday he wants to go hunting. <laughs> so, it's funny you say that. I literally, when I told my wife I was finally ready, I was like, <laughs> I'm ready, but we got to wait till April. And she's like, yeah. why? And I'm like, because that puts due dates outside of hunting season. Yes. yes. And then we were, getting, we were getting very weak. close to having to wait till April again. You don't be weak again. He gave his wife stipulations. I just <laughs> rolled strong. with it and look what I got. Be strong. There's other ways to play. There's be strong, son. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know how she would have taken having to wait for April again, but <laughs> it, it was going to be a conversation soon. <laughs> it's all right. You should understand. She married a hunter. Come on. Yeah. She's, she's due, what, the week after ETAR? And, and uh, two weeks. And and the the constant joke is like, are you gonna go to Utah? Are, are you gonna go? Or or, or you know, I mean, because like, he he'll be what eight hours from home. Eight hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine getting the call? You're down in Utah, and, and we don't get cell service there. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no! You're yeah. staying home. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. okay. Oh, oh well. It, Dang it. it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's good fun. I yeah. still get to go to Compton though, so it's okay. What's what's in well, the you going you going to Etar, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I'm only I'm they they I don't know if you know it, but they moved they they moved the venue. Um, uh, yeah, I heard that. I will be there this year. Yeah, oh. uh, my plans are to go. Yeah. Oh great! I'll uh, I'll I'll definitely find you. Um, oh definitely. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there. Everybody, Everybody needs to change their plans to 2023. Yeah, <laughs> Etar is only. 
two, where it is now, it's only two hours. Denton Hill was like two and a half hours from my place, and and uh, nice. Sawmill's about two. Yeah, it's oh, it's freaking nice. beautiful there too. I mean, where do you where do you get out there? It's an absolutely gorgeous. Like Pennsylvania's. Oh man, where I'm at, like I don't know. Western PA is really nice. Where like Matt is, Zernzak is. It's really pretty out there, but it but, is. And you, the put in that Denton Hill and that whole mountain oh, it's country gorgeous. is gorgeous. Yeah, Potter's beautiful. Nice. This I think uh, I think Sawmill is in. Oh man, I forget what county it's in. I don't think it's in Potter, but Sawmill. It, yeah, is it in Potter? No, it's in Tioga, isn't it? Sawmill is the same place that. That's the new one. That's a new venue. It's uh, yeah. Ski Sawmill. I think, it's uh, anyway, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a lot like Potter. It's very pretty. It's that. It's it's actually on, I don't know, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes from, from Denton Hill. And uh, there's actually uh, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon there, which if you got a minute, drive over and check that out. It's beautiful. But, uh, nice. yeah, it's a great area. The new venue is awesome. You can actually drink beer out in the open and not have to worry about the the what do you nice. call it yeah it's 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 a it's a much more relaxed venue so but that's awesome that's great you're going are, are you uh are you doing anything are you are you doing a, a no, booth I don't or anything any plans on on that okay you know, i've done that in the past the one year one year joel and i did you know yep. seminars for a couple of days in a row i had that hillside full of people yep um i don't really i'm you know as much as i talk to people and coach i'm I'm not like Joel, who's a big ham. I'm an introvert, and so those are nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> I can do it now because I've done enough of it, but yeah. it, it's not something I like to do. You know what I mean? Um, so, you, you know, I, if we do some, grab some guys, that'd be awesome. I, I love that. Yeah. I, I always want to teach wherever I'm at. I mean, I'm always open for questions and that and like to help. I really admire other people who have been like that, and so I want to be like that. Too, you know and i enjoy doing it that's a tough so, one to come over i i mean i mean i'm, I'm not a public speaker and, and when i get put in positions where i have to do it man it weirds me out i don't like it i can't imagine what you like i was watching um recently maybe a couple months ago i watched your presentation at kalamazoo from i don't know was it four years ago something like that yeah yeah three or four years ago yeah and, and, and one of the thoughts that went through my head was like geez i don't know if i could stand up in front of all those people and talk about i mean even even something like archery that i absolutely love to death I still would kind of freak out about that a little bit. I think I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, it's it's uh, for me. It's it wasn't easy. You do get confidence as you do it. And Joel gave me some public speaking tips that were really helpful. He goes, "What's your problem, Clum?" I was like, "Joel, I'm afraid I'm going to get stuck." You know, I think Joel's got more gonna, balls like, than anybody, though, just, doesn't he? Oh my God, yeah. But <laughs> let me tell you a little secret. That's why he wears a kilt. Secret. This is oh yeah, <laughs> he wants to be the center of attention. I don't want to be so yeah with you all together, right? So, anyways, he goes. You think I never get stuck, Columbia? <laughs> like, no, you never get stuck, Turner. I go. He goes. Didn't you ever see when I finish a point and I stop and I'll kind of nod at the audience like I'm like let that sink in. You go. Yeah, I can picture you today. He goes. I'm doing that because I can't remember what I'm going to say. <laughs> He goes, but I'm just like nodding at him, like, yeah, think about that for a minute, right? He goes, and you see, sometimes that I'll start talking again, and sometimes I'll just pace, and every, you know, I'm turning sideways, walking on, so I look at the audience, nod my head, like, yeah, think about it, you know. And he goes, then all of a sudden I walk up and start talking again. I go, yeah, I can picture that. He goes, I just taking a moment to remember what the hell I was going to say. 
I get, goes, I get it. That's no, too she funny. That's brilliant. That is. But that so I started doing that. True. You know, I get like, so then I could slow down and I could think and stay on topic. I wouldn't run at the mouth. Yep. And so, and all of a sudden, I finished a point, and if that, if the next one wasn't coming, I just pace a little bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> step up again. You know, so it's trick. You know, he like went to Toastmasters or something, learned this kind of stuff, and it's like. That changed my life as a public speaker. We we can't do that. We'll we'll be talking. So like when we do podcasts, we'll be talking, and, and there'll be the dead space where like I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay, maybe Shaver's gonna say something because I forget what I was gonna say, and he's thinking the same thing I am, and then there's silence. <laughs> so like my go to is you just get to edit. I just no, I just go <laughs> awkward silence, and we leave it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it works out really well, but yeah, I, I mean, like it. oh yeah. yeah, just don't sweat it. No, yeah, whatever. Really we're fun. we're having a good time. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, that's gosh. too good. Aiming like, methods. Sure. I got, here's here's a point I want to talk about. Go for aiming it. methods, and by not getting an elk in a few years. So I skimmed the brisket. On all those, when I shoot well, I'm really confident 40. And guess what? 40, 42 is my point on range. So if you're an instinctive aimer, it's really cool to figure out which point on is because then you have another tool in your tool belt. So, and I went to heavy arrows, and what I noticed, and you shoot enough, you should know where you're effective and where you're not. At 35, I can look at a spot and bump right in there. At 40, I'm typically low. And it didn't used to be that way for me, but it is now because I kind of went to a heavier arrow. And so all those years kind of got out of my groove there at the longer range. But at 40-42, I know that uh, if I know it's 40-42, all i got to do is put that point up in the middle of his chest, let it settle, pull through the shot, bam, it's going to be there. And the last three elk I've shot at have been that exact situation. When this bull comes, this cow, I'd pop the cow out, and she took off, and then the bull was following, and he came down like 30 seconds later. But he kind of cuts away from the cow with this little funnel I was kind of hanging out. And he's, going, he's crossing this hill, and I'm looking up ahead of him for openings. And I find the next opening he's going to get to, and I look at him like, that looks like about 40. And my point on is 40. So I, he gets close, and I come into anchor, get into holding. And I'm waiting. He walks into that opening. And I just give him a little, and he stops right there. And, man, I'm settled in. I'm confident. I'm starting to shot, and I noticed that the insert is right on his brisket. I'm going, oh, dude, if this is 40, you're screwed because you're going to shoot under him. And I go, no, don't trust it. Just go with your instinctive aim. And I just kept that right there and looked in the middle of him, shot the shot, right, tickled some hairs on his brisket. Like, he blasts out there, like, damn. I got these range-finding blockers, freaking snap a rock that was right next to him, 40 yards. Like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> you know, <sighs> same thing two other times, exactly literally the same thing. So, you know, I'm reliable now, really reliable at 35. But if it's if I know it's 35, 40, or 45, I do, and I have for several years, know right where to put the point. I just didn't spend enough time shooting those 40, 45, 50-yard shots with an instinctive aim to get my mind dialed into that. So, anyways, uh, in instinctive aimer, I still learn to use the point at a certain range. It's just way out there because with a split finger hold, that pitch of the arrow is, you know, pretty high. Mm -hmm. And so your point on is way out there. And then, like I said, I spent two months really dialing in um, 
a three under in and a gap. I was going to certain ranges. I was going to say. Yeah, right, so right, I think a guy, no matter what his aiming method, if you're a gap shooter and that's where you shoot good, that's where you're going to live. But hey, try instinctive aim. If you're an instinctive aim purely, hey, throw a tool in your tool belt, man. Figure out your point on range. Hey, right. Play with three under and a gap in off season. You get within a month or two of season, stick with what you do best. You know what I mean? So as a coach, I'm always trying to expand everybody's game. Once you've got a great shot, well, let's try some different aiming methods. Let's get you effective further. Let's get you effective closer with the three under. Let's get you effective further, maybe with a point on or a split finger. It's cool stuff. We can bounce back and forth. I just don't do a lot of bouncing right before season. <laughs> <laughs> it's not never a good time. I know the other yeah. day I was shooting with my buddy Josh, and we backed up to, I think, 50. And I think... Yeah. I was shooting 22 19s with 200 grain points, so there's 705 grains. And yeah. I, I was holding top of back, and it was dropping them in there. And that's, so I take it you're a split finger, and you got somewhat of a low anchor, too. Yeah, split finger, uh, pointer finger is nestled in the corner of my mouth, along yeah, with I, multiple other yeah. But I kind of knew that because if you're pointing on with that heavy, the arrow's that far away, you have to have a little anchor and split finger. Tom, if you're dabbling with three under, are you, are you thinking about switching or are you just like, I'm adding this to my toolbox so I have options? Well, originally I'm like adding it to my toolbox. Yeah. But come whitetail season, I might just refresh it and go with it. Yeah. Honestly, it's too accurate. And it, there's no, it would also, it's more like the old days in the, in the fact that you don't have to keep it refreshed as much as instinctive shoot mm-hmm. aiming. You got to keep that very fresh. Your mind has to see that trajectory pass at different ranges um, to be really good at it. How often are you shooting? Um, well, uh, typically in the shop, it's super mixed bag because I'll get into a super heavy lesson schedule. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I won't, pick up my bow for two weeks sometimes which is just oh, ridiculous wow. so you're sitting there but talking I, to somebody about shooting archery but you're not even touching a bow yeah i demo some shots for him or this or that yeah but then i realized like a couple of years ago that's just really stupid because i'm not working on my own game so i usually come in early and try to get 50 arrows in and if it's really slow in the shop but we're going to get really busy here shortly and i'll mm-hmm. get a chance to do that um We've got, I've got a 3D range, you know, 15 minutes from my house. So come summertime, I'll be hitting that two or three times a week or some of our mountain 3D ranges once a week or once every couple of weeks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll get my time in for sure. Um, at the moment, I'm nursing a front shoulder that I hurt freaking shoveling snow. <laughs> I consult with a movement expert buddy of mine named Matt Bernier is a hell of a, just amazing knowledge on movement, the whole skeletal muscular neural system he's amazing he's worked on 13 cadavers he's brilliant so he's given me he's given me a lot of understanding of the movement or how to get the human brain connected to movement it's helped me as a coach a lot oh wow but he was preaching to me about like doing shoulder exercise he's like you know uh, my shoulders are great i know good for him. he's like yeah but you need to get on this because you might be shoveling snow or something it hurts your shoulder and you won't be able to shoot your bow and it was like oh sure bro. shit <laughs> I was literally shoving stone hurt my shoulder. Yep. Oh, so gosh. I'm on a two week hiatus right before I go to Ohio with those push boys, which is killing me. Oh, gosh. But I'm going to let it heal. I just have to let it heal. Yeah, that's going to be, you guys are going to have a good time. That's that. There's a good crew going to that one. 
Yeah, it's I've done it a couple other times with those guys, and it's big fun. You know, I'm like the old guy there, but I don't try yeah. to act like too much of that. And they, it, I don't feel separated from them because it's a great group. Yeah, they're you know, a good my crew. Friends. I love it. We yeah. we both got invites this year, but neither of us can make it. And I was I was, I was like the week before I had to cancel last year. Yeah. Oh, and we were going through some heavy COVID restrictions at work still, and it was a matter of whether I wanted to do something in time to be able to go. And yeah, I didn't make yeah. up my mind soon enough. Yeah, we got Disney yeah. this year, that's and that's time. that's sucking up all our cash. So. I got I got one last year. Did and you? I'd never gotten an Eastern, and it completed my four bird turkey slam for the United oh, States. Oh, that's awesome! Awesome. It was kind of cool. How'd that yeah, go was, down? Um, those so uh, as a Western hunter, reels and Merriams are just like not, in my opinion, because I've hunted Easterns in Wisconsin where my son lives, and I've you know I've been on this push on a couple times and. Yada yada. I think Easterns are a lot harder to hunt. They're more of a normal bird where they strut and gobble and they expect the hens to come to them. Mm-hmm. They do, yeah. Whereas our Western birds are, you know, you act like a hen, there's a really good chance that you can call them in, right? Especially some days. Some days not, some days, yeah. Kind of like elk. But anyways, um, so those birds, you know, the previous years acting just like that, and they were acting like that last year. Like, they... We had them strutting at 60 yards for like two hours, you know, yes. really nice toms. And the hens would come visit our decoys, and they wouldn't follow the hens in. It was just the same old stuff, you know, SOS. Mm-hmm. But then Brent, this another friend out there, and he's a resident out there, and he gets on some property, so we went on his property and played that game. But then he goes, we heard him, like, gobbling from this, like, ridge top where there's a little two-track. He goes... We're going to go up there since it's a strut zone. We know we've heard them. And, um, sure shit. So we're up there and this thing sees our decoy and struts in from like 200 yards. It was really nice. Um, that's so rare. So it was more of a, it was almost an ambush, you know, yeah. as, as opposed to a call in. But, you know, I, those guys have called some birds in for the group before. Um, but I just think it's rarer. It seems to me rare. You know, I don't have the experience at least like you guys do. To, to call them in you know what I mean they they are tough man I uh the the two times I've been successful I I ended up snagging up Tom's when uh they followed a hen in um last year yeah. I yeah. seriously I had a hen pecking on my shoulder <laughs> but 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 the the Tom stayed about a hundred yards down at the bottom of the hill and watched her walk around me i'm sitting on my knees with my bow you get Ten, it out or something or just came it out really well uh, just i'm standing out in the middle of i was out in the middle of like i wasn't behind anything i was on my knees like they came in quick and i kind of got caught so i just i dropped yeah. to my knees and i was like okay we'll see what happens you know and seriously she, seriously cool it, it was really cool because when we started calling I, I had a doe come in to like five yards checking me out. It was I like I had super close encounters in, in, within like fifteen minutes, but the the hen came in and she she pecked my shoulder like twice and then walked away. And I I'm sitting there facing downhill staring at this tom that's like a hundred yards, eighty yards away from me. And he's like, Nah, I'm not coming up there. He's like, You'll come <laughs> yeah. back down to me. Yeah. Seriously, no no shit. She went back right back down to him and they moved on. 
but um, yeah, yeah, oh, there's, there's, it's a different it's a different bird than I'm used to hunting. I they think are tough. Are way easier to hunt. Yeah, I think they're super hard, and that's from a, a fairly rookie. I've hunted them eh, six eight times. You know what I mean? There's that's my favorite. It's it. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite season. My favorite season is the rut, but it's awesome. I mean, it's after being cooped it up all winter. Yeah. There's nothing like getting out, sitting in the woods, watching it come alive. Yeah, that's the truth. Oh my yeah. god, I love it. I absolutely love it. But yeah. that—that's the best. What well, did you shoot the turkey before or after your cl- uh, little lesson with Ed from last year? <laughs> I think it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I think it was. I think it was after. Yeah, it was last day that we were hunting. Oh, yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? Oh, that was great. If you didn't know Tim, I don't know if you would guess that was Tim. No way you would guess it was Tim. Like how <laughs> how does he do that? I mean, that's some serious Hollywood acting skills. You know, because Tim is a very quiet, mellow. more reserved, mellow <laughs> dude, right? Yeah. And and everybody says the same thing. And I said the same thing. Like, huh, you're a lot bigger guy than I thought you were. <laughs> fairly soft spoken dude, and he's a big guy, man. And so it was funny listening to the other guys say that exact same thing. He's like, I get that all the time. You know, he's yeah. the best. But super duper good guys. Yeah, great guy. He is great guy. And how he pulls off Ed, I man, that's unbelievable. See, I get Matt being Zach, but Ed and Tim—that's a little—that's a little bit more of a pull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Matt is a ham. You know, <laughs> Matt is not the reserved, quiet guy. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Love it. What else we need to talk about tonight, guys? Anything? I mean, it sounds like we could talk for hours. I'm afraid to start asking more questions about shooting because we'll just end up here all night. I don't want to keep you up all night. Um, See, the funny thing, Tom, is what you can't see is both of us doing all these like, all right, if we anchor here during this conversation, (laughs) we're both watching the other guy. I got one one for you, Tom, before before we start closing this up. What what's Mm -hmm. since I mean, and and I know you do updates on solid archery mechanics and things like that, but yeah, what's part of the reason I go to Ohio because we'll do more updates and film them while I'm out there. Oh, that's cool. That's very good. So anybody part of that can keep their heads open or eyes open for that. But what's something like, is there, is there like a, since you've gotten your level four, since you've done all this stuff, is there something Mm -hmm. like that has changed for the better? Yeah. Key changes. Key changes. Anything that's, that's come up to you maybe recently or, Oh man, how can I put this? I guess since you've done solid archery mechanics, that's like, Maybe, uh, maybe not like, oh, I was doing that wrong. This is the this is the way it should be done, or or something like that. A- anything come up that's that's different that's improved your shot since you. Yeah, and and what I teach, yeah, I would say kind of the science and the technique behind shooting without a trigger shot, that, without a clicker, that's without a, a good trigger one. that we sell, or without a feather touch, without any mm-hmm. receptive trigger. Um, and that's one of the things we're going to be filling a little course on, you you know, shooting without a triggered shot. Now, if you need a clicker, if you need a grip trigger, use a grip trigger, use a clicker. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain personalities that are more jumpy than others and more prone to this stuff that we call target panic. There's more um, the personal nature of people and makes them go into automatic functions more. Yeah, There's bigger flinch factors with some people. And I'm kind of one of them. I've got really good reactions. 
Um, I, you know, I learn stuff really easy and movement patterns really easy. I go automatic really easy. It's a little more difficult. Um, so I always have a grip trigger on my bow, but I don't necessarily use it. Um, I can shoot it without it on there and be confident, but if I'm freaked out, I have it there. It's my binky. I'm gonna yeah, make this thing. Yeah. Are you are you, know you using I mean? your grip trigger? That that uh the pressure trigger? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you know it's promotes a good shot because what you do to trigger a shot is what you should do without a trigger. It is absolutely promotes proper archery form. Right. And so I super believe in it and it's been a life changer for so many people. Um so it's it's on my bow all the time. It's on my bow all the time. And I can choose to use it or I can choose not to use it. Yeah. I can be freaked out and intend to use it, be well into string tension, like, yeah, this is money, and just finish my shot. You know, but I have, um, I'm a guy who suffered from target panic for decades. And so, you know, and that's another thing I think helps me be a good coach. I get where everybody's coming from. Nobody should be nervous shooting in front of me. However bad you sucked, I sucked worse, and I'm a pretty good shot now. You know, so there's never a need for anybody to be nervous around uh, any coach, let alone me, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I didn't grow up in a joy program and, you know, born and raised with good, good form. I had I learned it at 50. For yeah, later in life, it. yeah. 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 And so, anyways, the, you know, meeting Joel and starting clinics with him, however, it was eight, ten years ago. So it transformed me as a coach. It helped me as a coach understanding this. I've gone on and study the heck out of it in other venues. But I really understand the science and the form and the what's going on to make a shot without a trigger. And it's all based with inside perfect high level form. But uh it's a too long a story to explain here, but that has been the major change in my coaching. So if a guy's got a clicker on his bow, he comes in for a lesson or virtually everybody I teach I'm teaching them to not need it. I'm teaching them to shoot Without a trigger shot. Um, Initially, like when when somebody rolls into the shop, you're you're not first time. First time. If that person needs a trigger shot, eventually they're just too jumpy. They just Mm -hmm. can't make a separation from aim and and the movement or the pressure that makes the bow go off. Will we put it on there? And then I'm going to tell them, let use this tool to learn how not to need this tool. Observe what you're doing. Observe that you're setting an aim on the target, letting it kind of go. You're still looking at the target, and then you're going into the what we call the expansion phase of the shot, which is a very, that's a term that doesn't really describe it, but through back tension and strength, increasing string tension aimed at a follow-through. That separation is what kills everybody, or shooting on the now moment, trying to catch the perfect aim, or being so focused on aim that the mind learns its job. Hey, when the aim occurs, let it go. And that's where that snap shooting, that's where I not being able to get the string to my face half the time comes from. It's all rooted in the same things, but it just manifests itself differently among people. Yeah. It's all rooted in the same automatic function, same kind of things. But anyway, that's the biggest coaching change that I have. And I had the opportunity to get a, um, a woman and a young man that wanted to go into Barebow and Dante Buck and Kelly Scott. And, and that had time to practice too, that wanted high level archery. 
and within six months they were placing super high in Lancaster. And within seven months, she's ranked fourth at USAT's and USA Archery Barebow, and Dante's ranked fifth. Oh, that's awesome. And that's a huge deal. Yeah, you know? that's great. It's been seven months. And so it also showed me the truth and in the validity in what I'm teaching because I've never had I have Aaron and some other guys that are really flipping good and guys won IBOs a couple times but in this target world you know I kind of got that validation in myself that I have total confidence in the validity of what I'm teaching mm-hmm. and because that's all competitions that don't allow triggers exactly yeah that, that's you, the other you thing. can sear off your riser if it's you know original yeah. equipment you can't put anything on your riser to sear off of or you can use a tab sear or you can use a feather touch but oh. these these two aren't using anything of that and most of the people i'm teaching aren't using any of that they're, I, they're shooting controlled shots through good form and mental management i've 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 had yeah. friends so that the trigger thing is kind of a in, in the, the tar in the target <laughs> world it it it's a little um I don't know. There, there's some like controversy there, and I have a there friend. Is a huge controversy. Yeah, it's, it, about it's weird. I have a friend. Look at Olympic archers. Look at Olympic archers. They use they use clickers. They never shoot a shot without a release trigger. Exactly. That also checks their drawing. Yeah. They don't shoot a shot in practice or a shot in competition without a clicker. Oh, Tom, I, I got I got a buddy who's a high level shooter, who mm-hmm. who uses a trigger in his mouth with his tongue. Yeah, yeah. Joel's been teaching that. Joel has to. Okay, the, the, this yeah. this guy. I mean, he's he's a good buddy of mine. I'm like, you, you what? He's like, yeah. He's like, this is he's working for me, and he's killing it. He's doing awesome. So it's it, it's good it's, for him. Yeah, he's got right. A management tool that I, manages this thing that jumps on our back. Awesome. I'm uh, awesome. I am not a trigger person at all, and I, I tried them. I tried. Uh, oh, I tried. I tried lid mounted trigger. I tried. A a grip sear worked for me for a little bit. I liked that probably the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried. Uh, Ron, I don't know if you know Ron Rohrbaugh, but he's got a. Uh, yeah, I know Ron. The um, handy clicker. Yeah, the yeah. handy clicker. I used. Yep. Ron, I tried Ron's handy clicker, and that was probably my second most favorite. And I kind of used it like yours but i put it on the front of my bow so i was pulling into yeah. it with a, a, a like maybe my middle finger um right but i i, I just what never I, felt what comfortable I'm huge on, what i'm huge on is not using a trigger that's you're focused on a non-archery movement Correct. i want a trigger there where your focus is on a proper yeah. archery movement yeah. then you can learn to shoot that bow without that trigger yeah if you don't learn to focus on the archery movement, you'll never, you know, if you're not using a trigger that doesn't focus on a proper archery movement, you will never learn to shoot without that device. Yeah. I, if, if you built in your system a trigger that focuses on proper form, proper archery movement, that's where your focus should be as a proper archery, move, archery movement that ends in follow-through or to the follow-through position. Yeah. I've, I've always, I like, so... I tried triggers. They didn't work for me. I didn't like them. I felt like it took my brain. I mean, maybe it's my short tension span, but it took my brain out of the shot. And it did. So, yeah. So, a, a handy clicker, and it's a great tool for some people. I'm not going to knock it. Yeah. I just, you're not focusing on your shot. You're focusing on pressing a button. Same, same with the same with the limb mounted. Same with yeah everything. I, I just it didn't work for me, and I'm glad it works for some people, and and that's awesome. 
it just wasn't. Well, the limb matter clicker didn't work for you. It's because you weren't focused on a, on proper archery movement. You were my, focused on the click. Yeah, my brain was like, oh, it's going to go you were off. You focused on yeah, the click. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're click focused on the click, you're going <laughs> to flinch to the click. Exactly. It's a click to flinch. So, if you're focused on a proper archery movement and it clicks and triggers your shot, it's going to be effective. I could have helped you with that like in 10 minutes. Yeah. I could have told you what you're doing. Just quit listening for the click and start pressing string tension yep. and stay on that. Yeah. I, and only that. And then the clicker would have been effective. And I'm saying this for the guys that are listening that might be having the same struggles. It was working for me. Now it's not working for me. It's because you're not focused on the movement that makes the click. Instead, you're focusing on the click. Yes. That's a, that's yep. a solid, accurate statement right there. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of us. I've been through it. I think a lot of people use clickers and they end up getting caught in that. They're 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 listening for that click. They're they're pull 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 get to get that click get that click. Not it not be clicking right now. Not not focusing on the back. Not focusing on the things that matter. Right. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a clicker, if you use it properly, and you're focused on the back and the things that matter, it's going to be a fantastic tool for you. You would have shot better, but you just didn't know any better. You started listening for the click. Right. And Sounds thinking this right. thing should be clicking, and any other thought but the thought that you should have been driving. Right. No, that's 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 so probably. I had to is. throw that in because that's super useful to somebody that's listening for sure. Sure, definitely. It 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 didn't. I I don't know. My brain's weird. It didn't work with my brain, and that's fine. Uh, I'm. But yeah, no, I, I I strongly agree. I think I was. And your brain is not weird. All our brains work the same way. <laughs> no, my, no my, uh, mine's you mine's out there. Maybe not quite the same way. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, anyway, but anyways, if if I could have consulted you on that, you could have made that a tool that would have really helped you. Yeah, I, I guess and I'm. You're right. It didn't match with what you were doing because it was something different than what you're doing, which was probably shooting a pretty decent shot because you yeah. don't really need it. Because you have a pretty decent shot. Yeah, you, so far you so good. You separate the jobs. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems like like I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go backwards. But my my process or my sh- my shot goes like: do this, then do that, then do this, then do that. Pay attention to your back. Boom, the shot's gone. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, I go step to step like to step to step, and the next thing you know, it's gone. And and it's every person that shoots with confidence is just like that. Any t- anybody just rolls the bow up and, and just shoots. Yeah, shooting with hope. How, how how often are you changing something in your shot? How often? Oh you- God! For years, I was changing constantly. Yeah, trying to refine everything. Um, I know my shot now. I have a a process. There's nice. Certain things I need to think about to do it well. As long as I hit those benchmarks mentally, it's going to be a good shot. Ninety percent of the time, I, I always say ninety percent because we're human beings and we're incapable of perfection. Yeah. And so the percentage of animals I shoot well are just zoomed from when I didn't know this stuff. It's just tremendously different. When you uh, implement something new into your shot, or maybe rewind when you were changing it more often, how long mm-hmm. did you give it before you decided yay or nay? Oh, that's a good that's one. That's a really good question, because people will, even in the form I teach, if, if, you, if you change something, you change something. So your impact point's going to differ, right? Correct. And it does not feel natural because you haven't been doing it. Whatever you're doing repetitively, if it's the perfectly wrong thing to do, will feel natural eventually. And so, you know, as a coach, when I'm asking somebody to make a change, I give them 10 reasons why. 
and I, I want them to have a coach's level understanding of why we want to make this change before we try it because I got to get them to try it because they may take a half step back before they take two or three steps forward. And they, and I've got to identify, I need to tell them right off the bat, it's not going to feel natural at first, but I need you to stick with this for a certain amount of time. You know, I need you to master this that's different from what you're doing. The angular draw is very counterintuitive at first. Um, but many things like letting the aim go is very counterintuitive. It's intuitive to lock on that aim and control the aim to shoot better. There's many counterintuitive things like that. And so you just got to be a good salesman also. You got to give them a bunch of reasons why. I encourage people to be skeptical of anybody that's teaching them anything, and we all should be, because the quality of information you get here or there is very different. So I want them to be skeptical, and if and if I, I need to tell them why. Everything I do, it's always a why. And so if, if they know why they're making a change, they'll do it. And if they do it, I'm confident they'll get better. That's a great approach. Yeah. I, it's always a why. It, yeah. Like, I'm going to ask you this, but look at the angle change. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. Put your finger here. You know. You could tell I'm me gonna, something all day long, and if you don't tell me why, I'm probably not going to listen to you. You're not going to do it. Yeah, especially you're right. 100%. If it's especially if it doesn't make sense. Yep. And then some of them are a little stubborn. I was like, okay, you 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 saw the aim, you shot, right? Yeah. Yep. So you got to let that go. You know, and then there's so then I bring them back, and we start drilling. We start going back steps, you know, so we hit a certain point, and they lost the concept. I go back to, back to you know, I'll go back three or four steps, and we drill that, drill that out so they can understand that and then once they'll do as i ask and that shot goes right down the middle and i'll go huh well, i really wasn't thinking about aim so but you were looking at it right yeah uh, okay take note of that please <laughs> you know what I mean? okay we got one out of that group now we're looking for two out of the group and this is a skill to be developed it's going to take it's not weeks it's months you know yes yeah. it's a hell of a skill set it's at the high end, is very. It, there's some complexity to it. That's okay. Who is accomplished in any sport, anything they do, where there isn't complexity involved? At the high end, is there a simpler way I can and teach it and be effective? Yes, I do that with all new students, and then we add just little nuances. Now we start turning to microdials. Mm-hmm. If you're a competitive archer, it's a point here. It's a point there. You know what I mean? Um, it's got to start out with big, fundamental, gross positions and movements and then it's all refined over time you got to get a feel so anyway i'm starting to go off the rails here with <laughs> no that's all right this is great oh, man so as you can't tell i'm a little bit of a geek about this uh, stuff and i love it this is this is the stuff that keeps us obsessed over it you know I, it does me yeah the amount me. i talk about this type yeah. of stuff on a daily basis you would think you would run out after a while you don't you totally don't. You do. <laughs> yeah. i don't i don't get how like tom i wake up in the morning i get ready i i'm, I'm about to walk out the door going to work and i shoot about five arrows and then it's yeah, or, like, or have a talk like this and like i want to go out and shoot yeah i, I mean i but this is <laughs> this is every day in my life i shoot a couple arrows before i walk out the door as soon as i get home right. i run i pick up my son from school i come home i shoot a hundred arrows nice. i mean i i just awesome. can't stop yeah. and it's I'm been, either shooting in a day or depressed and, yeah it's and, pretty... it's shaver <laughs> yeah. and i are, shaver and I are the yeah. same way because like every i i know i can call him at four o'clock and he's shooting his bow and it, it's, nice. it's just like 
I don't. I don't know. It, it's, it's. I swear we get oxytocin, serotonin. There's yeah, some. There's something. Chemical effect. <laughs> something. Put a good shot on target. There's something that's feeding us the desire to do it more and get capture that. Seriously. That feel good hormone or whatever the hell's going on. It, it's like Chris, it's like a drug addict for drugs. Is, yeah. Chris had the, my uh, latest the... study is neuroscience. I do want to understand more of that. Oh, oh that's cool. Um, yeah. I want to go to a, a psychotherapist and and talk about. EMDR for calming yourself at home. I want to, <laughs> there's new, there's always an avenue where I sidetrack that's off of USA archery or, or gathering information that might help an archer. That's just, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta know what I don't know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. Just, I don't know. Schaefer, what were you going to say, buddy? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just, so Chris, I was, I was outside shooting earlier today and Chris called me. So I put him on speakerphone and hung him from my shirt so I could keep shooting and talk to him. <laughs> no, he can't stop. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris had the, the luxury of being on the other side of my phone as I freaking dry fired my bow and freaking set my bow flying. So when I made the string for my bow, I was shooting carbons. And now I keep yeah. switching between wood arrows and aluminums with glue on knobs. Oh, and now you got and, that loose knock and you didn't get it Well, all yeah, and I there. shoot split. So most of, you know, I guess 99% of the time, I'm good. Yeah. I, I will say over doing the front of the arrow, you, you know, to yeah. hold the arrow on, and you start your draw just a little bit with that finger on there, and you pull the string back, <laughs> and you knock a little bit. Clearly, you've been through been this there, before. Done that. <laughs> Done that. Anything you guys have screwed up, I have screwed up a thousand times. I think the best part is I'm really good friends with the guy that builds my bow. So yeah. every time I do this, because this is the third time in probably the last like four months. Dear Lord. And I, I just text him every time like, dude, your bow's good, man. It's three dry fires, no problems. <laughs> Doing some excellent durability testing. Oh, bro. my God. Oh, man. Uh, and the best part is every you know how time many I've done guys it, the bow's left my with, hand. Yeah, that's funny. You know how many guys um, with a compound dry fire their bows because they forget to put an arrow on? I, I can't imagine. I that that has got to be that has got to scare the ever living hell out of them too when they now, do it. Here's the point, like a point for trad. That's how disconnected you are with your your the equipment, implement in your hand. Yeah, and the connection we have with our equipment. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, and the bow like, and the arrow. You're so detached from the arrow through a sight pin. You know, that, and, and I'm telling you, I'm not making fun of those dudes because no. I have shoot a, I coach a lot of compound shooters, so I have to refresh a compound shot about every four months, make sure I can shoot bulls. Like, okay, I'm good. Um, I just don't have that much fun doing it. And so I almost did it one day. Our tech comes in like, whoa, whoa, Tom, what are you doing? I'm like, let down, let down. So I let down. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So <laughs> I, I was knocking an arrow. Set the arrow down, they're yakking at me, and I went up and raised the bow and went to holding. I was like, well, unbelievable. You're coaching, so you're a little bit distracted because you're telling us. So, so you got you got an out there. Oh, thank <laughs> you. It was, that's I would have carried it into you. I was just showing him proper, proper back tension. I wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> was, I wasn't going to shoot that. There was there was there was a video somebody there was a video somebody did a long time ago not a long time ago shit maybe like three years ago and the guy was like this is what I call setting the pocket the the limb pockets and he dry fired the bow and it was it was a parody but it was so funny oh my god I laughed so hard but uh, I can't imagine I would be so I'd be so shit scared if you dry fire a 
a compound. I, oh my god! I think. Oh yeah, when they come apart, it's dangerous. Yeah. Hey, I I want to remember to tell you guys this. I heard you talking to somebody else on one of your podcasts and talking about the differences and all. And you know, so here's the difference I notice. Here's like a, a way I describe it. So when you shoot a compound bow, and you put, hit a bullseye, you are neutral. Yeah. I expected to. Right. Yeah. Neutral. If you miss a little bit, aggravated, right? Like, okay, what's sight? What I did? Blah, 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 blah. Aggravated, neutral. Trad bow, shoot an arrow. It's not off the bullseye a little bit. Okay, I'm going to see what I got to do. Neutral. You put one right in the middle. Oh, that feels so good. Grace in the world. <laughs> you got neutral, aggravated. Neutral feels great. There it is right there. Yes. Put one in the ass of the target. What the? Foam's home. What are they talking about? It counts. <laughs> it's still five you points. With a compound or a recurve, and it's all aggravating. But you know what I mean? That's, that's the best way I could describe it. That's oh, why it's, it's a much more fun. Because you've true. accomplished something. It's on oh, you. Exactly. You, know, you. You put one in the middle. That's because you produced a great shot, for crying out loud. Yeah. You, you didn't have any help doing that. You know what? I, I like it. I will never... Never in a million years forget the first year I killed with the recurve. Never. Oh hell no. That was the, that yeah. was, and, and and my best friend came out to help, like not track it because it dropped in thirty yards. But my best friend came out because I told him I shot a doe and I couldn't find it. And and sure shit, the cape, my my buddy he comes out with two beers in his hand. I was like, well, you're the man. And clearly you 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 know, and he was expecting a track job, but um, it 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 was just. I, I just was I'll never forget that and that feeling and and I know everybody who's yeah, buddy. anybody who's ever killed something with a recurve for the first time especially recently when it's not like 30 years ago 40 years ago years ago when it was the way now it's like I think yeah. there's more people coming back to it or whatever it's mm-hmm. the greatest feeling in the world Can I tell you want a hunting story related to that yeah definitely oh absolutely definitely okay so I when I got out of college and I got a job, I went to the archery shop. Give me a bear super Kodiak. Oh, my dreams, right? Love it. For like 45 minutes, this guy was working on me. No, we've got these new compound bows. This is like 1976. Yeah. No, I wanted a bear super Kodiak. Oh, my dreams. Because <laughs> all I had was a Wards Westerfield hunter growing up. I had a single mom and, you know, my rich buddy had their bear super Kodiak. So I wanted <laughs> yep. a bear super Kodiak. You know? <laughs> anyway, this guy worked on me. He finally talked me to this Martin Cougar II compound bow. But in those days, you shot fingers with sight pins, right? Yeah. So back in those days, my I had my best friend growing up, we had got the dream of bow hunting through this old Fred Bear videos that used to play with American Sportsman's oh, yeah. show that was on every Sunday. Any old guy knows about that show. And then, if, if, and then those Bear videos would travel around to theaters, and we'd ride our bikes to the theater and watch them. That planted the dream, right? Wait, this, was, this, was after, this was after Kurt, Co- Kurt Gowdy, right? Kurt Gowdy's American Sportsman. Yes. That was the show. And they'd have ones where the Fred Bear videos were were featured that day. I just showed my that age, Schaefer. That's the dream in me, man. <laughs> that planet the dream. So anyways, my buddy and I, like, we're going to be bow hunters. So 1976, he gets a Carroll compound, and we and his family backpacked. So well, that's what we do. So we got backpacks, and we huck in there for a weekend or 10 days, whatever the trip allowed, you know. And that first year, it was big, long hikes. We didn't know anything about hunting. I can't tell you how many days and hours. We hunted 20 days, never saw an elk. 
Like, so, okay. So we started reading about elk second year, you know, we're scaring the shit out of elk cause we're finding them third year. But he's weird. He lived in Silk, Colorado. We'd float the Colorado River and fish all summer. Sitting in his little house in Silk, Colorado, and he's reading this outdoor life article. He goes, huh. There's an article about making an elk beetle in, out of a garden hose. So he goes, cuts a chunk of garden hose. It's not even a normal size. It's like small diameter. He gets his dowel that fit into it, shaved it off, um, plug one in put this notch in the top of it, shaved off it flat and stuck it in there under that notch. And you blow it and give you three notes. <whistles> right. Like, Oh, that's cool. You know, later that summer he's reading out of her life. Hey, listen to this TC he says, uh, this is, this is really cool, man. What you do is you have one collar and one shooter, you know, so the the collar stays in one spot, but the shooter goes towards the elk and then you, you call and the elk walks by the guy. And that's the way to get a shot easier. Huh? That's cool. We're going to try that next year. So we went up there. We were hunting. And sure shit, we were hearing elk bugle all night. We start off after a bugle. Okay, TC, you get out of here. So I went out like 100 yards in front of them. <laughs> Which, if you're an elk hunter, you know how silly that is. And there there I am, Elmer Fudding up there, sneaking up there. Right. And then get settled. There goes Paul. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> No shit, elk walks off the mountain, walks 35, 30 yards by me, put 30-yard second pin on him, boom, shot him right through the chest. Nice. Got my first elk. First elk together, first elk. We didn't know anything. We'd read books on how to butcher. We thought that thing from the tip to the top, from the tip to the bottom, through the middle of the spine, was one of those old T-handle aluminum saws. Oh, <laughs> up, carried full quarters out on our, over our shoulders. Okay. So there's our first hunt. Anyway, then we started getting pretty savvy, and we literally were hunting all the time, and we're hunting area with a lot of elk. So you get good at something. There's a checklist that any hunter has to go through. You have to screw up in all these ways before you get good and start taking game regularly. Yeah, of course. And I'm still finding stuff on that checklist, trust me. <laughs> but there's a big checklist you got to go through to get good, right? You, you experience it. There was no Internet back then. It was all just out there in the field. You know, we got pretty good, and we are killing elk regular then with these compound bows. And then I got in this thing where I was missing over the top of them. And I was looking at the broadheads and looking at the sights and looking at this and that. And I know what it was now. It was freaking the form of target panic, you know. I was trying to catch the aim. I was now moment it, and I was linking. My brace was taking that arrow over the top every time. So anyways, I find this cool-ass custom recurve. Now I got a real estate appraisal business. I'm making good money. I buy this custom recurve just to shoot. On the side, sometimes. What what was it? By that time, it it was a Chastain one piece recurve. Okay, like fifty five pounds. All right. And I got some wood shafts, and I made arrows, and there I was shooting this bow and having a ball with it. Couldn't hit the broadside of the barn from the inside with it at first. Had this burlap bag in my basement. Had a little thousand foot square, you know, ranch style house with open basement. And I, Put yep. that bag against the wall. Shit, I broke arrows against the concrete many times. <laughs> yeah. I, this giant burlap bag. I got to replace some drywall this week. I was in town, and you know, I was on the front row of every seminar you around town because Bighorn Bows has been there, like, learn the, learn the whole G-Fred Asbel thing, and was practicing more. And then all of a sudden, I'm hitting that burlap bag all the time. And then all of a sudden, I'm shooting groups. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, huh, I'm going to miss elk. I might as well do it. This is freaking fun. <laughs> so... 
And by the way, that first hunt, when we got that elk, we were picking each other off the ground. It was the most joyous moment. We had this huge accomplishment. You yes. know, we had 90 days in the field by that time, and we finally got an elk, and we're picking each other up, hugging, and going nuts. And we got, you know, we got good at it, and it was just a regular thing then. Okay, we let's cord the things, get off the mountain, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I'm going to hunt with this thing. So I put the compound in its case, and it was like mid-June, and I went to the 3D range four nights a week, and I just shot my fingers off. We go hunting. My buddy calls the bull, and it comes by him at four feet. He's still got the old compound. He just doesn't think he can get it up and cracked over without spooking it. Walks out in front of me, 20 yards, low light, conditions not suitable for sights. Boom, shoot him through the chest. I kill a bull the first time out with that recurve. It was like the very, just like you, you're describing right there, bud. It was like the very first elk we killed. We were picking each other up. Off the you had to hugging. lose it. That had to be awesome. We lost it. It was awesome. Oh, I love and it. So my buddy, he's like, oh, man, if I had a long, he was always enamored with long ones. If I had a long one, I could have just eased up that draw. I could have shot that bull, you know. And then he had me go to town to Bob's archery, and I knew Bob really well. And I said, my buddy in Silt wants a long boy. He says, yeah, take six or eight up up there. So I took six or eight of them up there, and he shot them all, and he picked out this one that I swear is the clunkiest thing ever. You could throw an arrow <laughs> faster than that thing, would shoot them. And Paul started laying down bolts with that thing every year. That and we started awesome. right here taking them with traditional gear. And that's what started so, it? That's what started it. Oh, that's I love it. how we started, and that's so how we cool. got into trad. So cool. And that was like mid-'80s by about that time, from 76 to mid eighty six or so. And, it, and then, it, then, of course, there's no turning back after that. It wasn't a big deal then back then in the 80s people were pushing compounds like crazy oh my god well starting in the 70s because the yeah. you know, early 70s they got on the scene by 76 that guy bullied me right out of a recurve right 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 so what what made you go to a recurve what 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 triggered that because i had a bunch of money and i saw this freaking beautiful custom-made bow and i said i Perfect. want it and i was making good money and i bought it and that's, i thought that, i'm gonna shoot it to have fun with it that's enough right there and then and See, I had the same I issue. I just don't have a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that, but there's, there's we're working on that. We're getting there. And, the, and it was a brand new custom bone. It was like four hundred bucks at the time. Oh man, that's so rad. That's so awesome. You know, you know an equivalent bow would be thousand twelve hundred now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But it's it's that was my link back to trad, and I had success, and I like. And then I literally quit missing them for several years, you know, and then target panic came back and Meh. my, I had a little iffy results, but by then we we're super sneaky. So we get really close in. So then I still kept killing elk. So anyway, that is really awesome. a story to exactly what you're talking about in the satisfaction level and the thrill. There's nothing better doing it with this stick in your hand. There's nothing better. Nothing better. The, yeah. the, this yeah. year was a good, it was even a, a good one. Cause I had, Super low points. I mean, Schaefer was busting my ass about it earlier there. <laughs> but I seriously, like, I had the most perfect shot. Tom, I'm telling you, it was, like, perfectly executed. And, and the it was a nice buck. And he ducked the arrow. There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing I could have yeah. changed. It was the perfect yeah. shot. The happens. Yeah, it happens. Whatever, you know. And so yeah. the next day, I took that first week of November off. The next day, I think it was a Thursday... I had the biggest buck of my l- that I've ever drawn a bow on. I've seen bigger buck. Is but this the one you slap the armpit on? <laughs> no, I, I don't 
No, 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 I don't okay, think so. Okay, different story, sorry. No, um, this this one, he, yeah. he was clear, he was a clean miss. He came in, and I never picked a spot. I never, I don't think I aimed. I think I just looked at the deer's no hole. no respect for a guy that that happens to. No respect at all. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I can say that because I've experienced that many a time. Oh, my God, I saw the whole so deer. So I can bust your chops with that. The whole that deer, is, Tom. That me. I saw, I'm, I'm staring yeah. at the whole deer, and I watched that arrow go. Yeah. He ducked. He ducked like probably like like his vertebrae dropped maybe like eight inches, but it didn't need to because yeah. that arrow was about six inches above his <laughs> it back. It added eight inches yeah, to the high. He, it misses all. So, I get it, man. So instead of six inches, I missed oh, him by 14. But yeah. I, I'll, oh, my God, I was so pissed. Yeah, any way you screwed up, I screwed up. Yeah, we've all done it. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. And, and that was Friday. I think it was a Friday. And I missed him, and immediately, like I'm like, my the first thought in my mind is like, well, clearly I need to practice harder. So, so yeah. I, was text, I was texting Schaefer, and I'm like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, ordering Target. Why? Because I just missed another deer. It's <laughs> still happening at me. But um, no, no shit. Seriously, like that that same day, one o'clock, one thirty in the afternoon, a buck came in. And I was like, there's no way I'm missing you. And and he came, he walked head on. And he mm-hmm. walked inside of a tree of seven yards, and he turned left broadside in front of me, and I picked my spot, and I stared at that spot, and I executed a perfect shot, and I watched, nice. just like last year, I watched my knock bury through right where I was staring, and I was like, I'm good, nice. I'm okay. And it was funny, because up to that point, I was second-guessing myself, going, okay, you're an idiot, you need to practice harder, you screwed up, you did everything wrong. And yeah. and I was able to pull it yeah. out of my ass and get back together and, and it was and you know, again it was the greatest the greatest feeling the greatest feeling and that connection you had to that deer and that bow and that arrow you can't describe that no I love it this. and then after and you got a new target super cool and and I did get a new target yeah I did <laughs> which which I currently I like I I started saying earlier I currently like that new target that I bought that day is now blown out and I'm putting holes through my drywall so I have to buy a new drywall tomorrow night. <laughs> Yeah. And patch that before the wife finds out. So, uh, love awesome, it. Man. Oh man, should should we end on a high note? I... That was a good high note. That, that, was a, that was a high note for the most part. Yeah, Tom, telling super high note. Tom, yeah. thank you so much for coming on, man. That we're, it's been my pleasure talking to you guys. And, absolutely. And seriously, thank you for everything that you do for every single one of us that's struggling. And and on the verge of quitting doing this or whatever, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Trust me, it's been my pleasure. It's always my pleasure. Thank we're, you, Bill. We're beyond grateful you're enjoying it because we're all enjoying your instruction. Awesome, but, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yes, thank you, you Tom. Welcome. You bet. Catch you later.